Philippians, he said, I want to know Christ. I want to know what the power is dead. I want to know about the resurrection. And then in 12, he said, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you here today. Isn't it great to have the church family uh, together to worship God? What a blessing that is. If you're here visiting today, we're glad that you're here at Savannah. Hope that you'll stick around. Hope that this won't be the only opportunity you ever have to worship with this great church family. Hope you'll be here uh, every time that you have an opportunity uh, to do so. Uh, you may want to keep your Bibles open to Philippians 3. We'll be there in just a moment. Uh, Howard mentioned it in his prayer, and I want to mention the story that kicks off on 920. And if you've read through your bulletin this week, uh, at the fellowship meal on August 30th, a copy of that will be handed out to each family. You may decide you want more copies than that for your family, though. But I hope you'll be in prayer about that. It's the idea that in Bible class, in our morning worship, hopefully in our personal study time, We'll be focusing on studying the same thing, and I think there's power in that, and so we're looking forward to it. I appreciate Bradley leading higher ground before the lesson this morning, and I'm going to go back to some of the first words in that as we get into our lesson today. That first verse, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I suspect that there are times in our lives where when we are in worship and we sing this hymn together, there are probably some times where we sing it as a song of affirmation. Perhaps it's a mountaintop time in life where things are really going well and where our walk with God is strong and so we sing that and there's, there's affirmation in the idea that I'm, I found some higher ground, new heights I'm gaining every day. But then I also suspect there are some times like this past week where maybe we sing that and maybe higher ground seems a little bit far away. Maybe it feels like I haven't really a attained a new height. I'm glad it's the first day of the week, and maybe you are too, because last week was a tough week. Adam was up here, he acknowledged that, he prayed about that, and even today uh, we, we've got folks traveling over to be with Scott and his family as they say goodbye to his mother. And so I'm thankful that a new week has dawned. It doesn't mean that there won't still be pain and there won't still be grieving, but it gives us this idea that yes, the sun does continue to come up, God does continue to bless, and yes, we can look ahead. And so as I thought about what might be useful for us today after last week, what might be useful for us from Scripture, I began to think about what Paul wrote here in Philippians 3. I began to think about how he talked about the one thing that he does, the one thing I do is what he says, 
And that's an interesting statement because Paul does a lot of stuff. He's very active, but he says, there, there's one thing I do, and he begins to talk about pressing on. And I thought that might be useful for us. But because while he's talking about it, that's not always an easy thing. There are challenges for us day by day, and we know objectively that we ought to press on, but the idea of patient continuance, the idea that I'm patiently pressing on, I'm patiently living this Christian life, sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes the idea that, yes, I've got to get up again today, and I've got to run the marathon another day, sometimes that's not easy. Days where I've been knocked off balance and maybe I've been knocked down and I realize that in order to live this out, I've got to get back up and I've got to go again. Or it may be this idea of maintaining the will and the determination to press on even on days when I wake up and I'm pretty sure that I don't want to today because I'm still human. And so from Paul, we get this, this excellent mindset and the, and the background here has already been mentioned. It's... It's this, this section of Scripture where he talks about whatever I might have counted gain, I count that as loss for the sake of Christ. And he, as he talks about his desire, he says, I want to be found in Him. Not based on a righteousness that's from the law. No, not by that. But, but based on a righteousness that comes from God through faith. And I want to know Him. I want to know the power of His resurrection. I want, to, I want to know the fellowship of His suffering. I want to know Him. And I want all of that in order that at some point I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And then He gives us this formula for pressing on. And I want to come back to that. Uh, notice again verse 12 and the beginning of verse 13. He says, Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. One of the first things that we see from Paul as he talks about his formula for this one thing, his formula for pressing on, it's an interesting approach because he says, there, I, I want to attain to the resurrection from the dead. That idea that one day I'll, I'll be raised up and one day I'll be on my way to heaven. He says, I haven't attained that yet. And that's an interesting way of thinking because if you think about his life and you think about his walk with God, he's a Christian and so we would say, well, he is saved. He, he's in one sense obtained his salvation. If his life is required of him on the day he pens this letter, he's on his way to heaven. But how much better is it if we've got to press on day by day by day, how much better is it to have a mindset where I stay focused on what hasn't happened yet? Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I've obeyed the gospel. Yes, I'm secure in my salvation. But, but Paul says what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay focused on what hasn't happened yet because I'm looking forward to that. He says it twice in these two verses. Not that I've already obtained it. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. See, when we stay focused on what is still yet to come, one of the blessings in that is it prevents complacency. It's football season. I'm glad football's back. 
And one of the things, if you watch any sports at all, if you've ever seen it happen, the team, doesn't matter what the sport is, but the team that becomes complacent, another way of defining complacency is self-satisfied. In other words, I'm good enough right now. Uh, when I get complacent, the team that gets complacent, they end up losing to the team that never should have beaten them. That's what complacency does. See, we've got this adversary that, that, that wants to win some battles in our lives. And so Paul says, I'm not, I'm not going to be complacent. I'm not going to be self-satisfied here. I'm going to stay focused on what hasn't happened yet. I'm not going to fall into that trap. And so the end, in the end, he says, I want to lay hold of salvation. Because salvation is the, the reason that Jesus laid hold of me. So for us, we operate, yes, we're Christians, and yes, we're secure in our salvation, yet we run the marathon as if in one sense it's not yet attained because there are some things still ahead of us that we have to look forward to. So that's the first part of his, his formula. And then in verse 13 he says, but one thing I do, and then he's going to give you two parts to the one thing, but one thing I do, he says, forgetting what lies behind. Somehow, some way, forgetting is a very important part of the strategy for Paul. Now, he's not talking about forgetting people. He's not talking about forgetting people who are dear to us. He's not talking about anything like that. We value the, the ability to remember. God has blessed us with the ability to remember. Uh, we we've done a lot of remembering over the last week. That's a blessing from God. Relationships aren't complete without memories. That's one reason that Alzheimer's disease is so horrible. It robs us of relationships. So how could forgetting be such an important part of Paul's strategy? Well, think of, the, think of forgetting with this definition. What he's really talking about, he's saying, there are some things that I need to set aside from my mind if I'm going to press on. And when you think about forgetting under that scenario, when you think about the idea that Paul needs to set some things aside from his mind if he's going to press on, he had a lot of things he needed to forget. Think about his past. Acts 9, that account of persecuting the church. And when you think about past, even here in Philippians 3, if you take time to read the chapter, he, he starts off in the beginning of the chapter and he says, if we're going to talk about you know, having all the right... Uh, credentials, if you're going to talk about who you are as a person outside of Christ and you're going to try to stand on who you are, I was the guy that could have stood up on who I was because, and he goes through his credentials. He says, I got to get that out of my mind because I've got a new relationship. Paul had trouble from people that he needed to get set aside from his mind because people were making his ministry difficult. There were people who were critical of his ministry. Sometimes there will be people who are critical of our walk with God. And then he had the circumstances of life that he had to set aside from his mind. I mean, who in the world would think that in all the things you could have happen to you while you're trying to do God's work, that you would suffer shipwreck multiple times? You read 2 Corinthians 11, beginning of verse 23, and it's incident after incident and thing after thing, circumstance after circumstance, that for some whose faith might be weak, those things might wreck one's faith. But for Paul, those are just things that, hey, I've got to forget those. I've got to set those aside from my mind. And then I'll give you one other 
Paul actually had some major accomplishments that he needed to put aside from his mind, to forget, if you will. I mean, when you think about his life turnaround, going from being a persecutor of Christians to now a leader in the church, when you think about that turnaround, and you think about all the people that he's preached to, and all the people that he's helped, and all the people that he's strengthened, and all the people that he's converted, surely those are enough accomplishments to get one into heaven, right? Yet that's not how we operate. We don't rest on the couch of past accomplishments. And so we learn from Paul. We can learn a lot from him. See, if, 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 if I've got a non-Christian past, if I've got one of those past lives where it was really, really bad, I, that shouldn't cause me to be inactive in the church because I set that aside from my mind in that I'm now thankful for who I am in Christ. My failures and my shortcomings as a child of God, they mark me as human, but hopefully they don't prevent me from standing up and trying again. Circumstances of life are going to affect me sometimes, but hopefully those don't... I set those aside from my mind because there are things I'm moving toward, I'm pressing on. And then hopefully even when things go right, I don't dwell too long on those accomplishments either. It's been said that failure stays with those who stay with some success made yesterday. And so he says in verse 13, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, that's part one, and then he says, reaching forward to what lies ahead. You may have a translation that talks about straining forward. It's, the picture in my mind is the dog that takes its owner for a walk. The, the dog that is straining at the leash and it's all I can do to keep up with. He's straining forward. He's reaching for something. And see, I think Paul understood something about reaching forward that, that maybe we kind of forget sometimes. But in order for me to strain forward, my focus has to be on what I'm trying to reach. That's why I've got to set aside the things from my mind that might hinder me, that might remove my focus from, from where I'm trying to go. I can't press on. I can't strain forward if I'm dwelling on my failures, if I've got my mind on things that should have long ago been put aside from my mind. See, focus by definition is a singular thing. There are two benches up on this stage and you can direct your focus to one of them or you can direct your focus to the other one of them, but you cannot focus on both of them at the same time because focus is a singular thing. And what I really can't do, if I want to focus on the clock in the back of the room, which I know you hope I'm focusing on that, and I am, but I can't focus on that clock and then focus on something behind me. Cannot do it. Because focus is a singular thing. There was a swing, and I think it's gone now, down at the lake that we sometimes go to, and you'd get out of the lake and you'd climb up there to where the swing was, and if you wanted to get to the highest point to grab the swing, you had to get up there, and then you had to reach out, you had to lunge for it, and if you missed the, if you missed the handle of the swing, you're going to tumble down the hill, through the rocks, and into the water. And so when you start reaching for that swing, the last thing you want to do is look at anything other than what you're reaching toward. Because if you've ever gotten off balance and reached for something and missed, well, that's when you really get hurt. See, forward focus is crucial. 
church needs a forward focus. I've heard some folks in recent weeks in conversation and in prayer, and one of the things they'll talk about is this church getting back to where it was. I understand what's meant by that, and I I think we all do. But I think it's worth respectfully reminding us all as we think about what Paul's talking about here to remind us all that in one sense, this church will never get back to exactly where it was because it can never be exactly like it was. People are going to be different. Some people have come, others have left. It's it's never going to be exactly like it was. And so the idea should be Strain forward, look forward, fondly remember those great things in the past, but but focus on what God wants this church to be in days ahead. So what does Paul say? He says, I'm pressing on, and the way I do that, I regard my salvation. I regard that that day, I look forward to that day. I think about what hasn't happened yet, that day when I'll be with Jesus forever. I think about that. I put aside from my mind those things that, that, that are behind me, that are in my past, that might prevent me from being what God wants me to be. And then I strain forward. I keep my focus on the goal. He says, that's how I do it. And I think that formula will work for us. In the few minutes that we have left, I want to give you just a few practical ideas that maybe will help us as we think about pressing on, some practical ideas that will help us press on uh, toward the prize. Number one, I would suggest that we need to remember that God's work will never be done. One, One thing that can knock you right out of the marathon is this idea that it's not a long race. Um... I love football season, and I love fall, but there's one thing I don't love so much about fall. I've, I've got a lot of trees around my house. And so when the trees start dropping leaves, there is this ever-present task in front of me. Those leaves have to be moved from where they are out into some wooded areas where they're not, you know. And so I spend a lot of time mulching leaves, and I spend a lot of time blowing leaves. And it's one of those tasks that it just, I'll do it this weekend, and then I know by next weekend I've got to go back and do it again. And it seems like it's just never going to be done. And I think it's okay for us to think about God's work that way. The idea that no matter what we get done today, there's still somebody tomorrow that still needs Jesus. You remember Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. And Jesus said there's this wide gate that leads to destruction. There's a lot of people that are going to walk through that gate. And so no matter what we get done, in one sense, until the day God decides this all ends, our work will never be done. And we need to remember that. Number two, remember that your faith will be tested. I love Luke 18 verse 1, and we talked about that parable a few weeks ago, but as Luke writes there now, he, talking about Jesus, was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. In other words, your faith is going to be tested. There will be those things that happen. We do ourselves a disservice if we incorrectly think That at some point, it's it's not going to go our way. Or that at some point, we're not going to get mistreated. Or that at some point, uh, we're going to stumble and we're going to mess things up in our walk with God. We may mess them up in a major way because we're still human. One of the values of Scripture, you think about all the folks that you read about in Scripture who mess things up. Even though they're great people, 
And even though we're going to hopefully be spending time with them in heaven, Moses had his issues. David had his issues. Peter had his issues. That's just to name three out of many. Our faith is going to be tested. It's part of the process. And I think we also do ourselves a disservice if we don't expect that we're going to have a few days where maybe we question God. Days when our question to God is simply why. I, I don't have the answer. I don't understand this. And God, I just don't understand why. I think it's okay to have those days. We may even have those days where in an emotional moment we wonder if the commitment that we've made to God is actually really worth it. Even Paul himself in 2 Corinthians 4 as he talked about his life, he says, there are days when I am simply perplexed. And maybe that describes us too. See, bad days are going to happen for those of us who are still human. It magnifies our need for our relationship with God. Number three, we need to remember the importance of being patient. I'm kind of a work in progress in that area. I'm, I'm not always as patient as I ought to be, especially when I'm driving. I just don't understand why if you're going to go somewhere, why not just get there in the most efficient way possible? I don't, you know, that's just kind of my mindset. And so sometimes I'm very impatient. And sometimes that flows over into other parts of our lives. Sometimes we're laboring and we're working in the kingdom and we're active and we're wondering why God hasn't provided the increase yet that we thought ought to be there because we've been working and we've been laboring and all this has been going on. Well, sometimes it may just not be time for that increase yet. Sometimes we may be working and laboring and maybe we look over our shoulder and we wonder why somebody else that we thought would be working isn't working hard like we are. We need patience. And all of us are on a journey. All of us are growing. All of us are trying to mature as Christians. We don't mature at the same rate. And so sometimes it takes a while for us to embrace mission, to embrace purpose. Sometimes maybe we become impatient with God as we try to press on. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not get tired. They'll walk and not become faint. See, that verse, that sounds a lot like pressing on to me. Number four, remember the value of looking in the mirror. Before you forget, before you set that aside from your mind, see, we don't have time to go back and read from Romans 7 right now, but, but those words are familiar. Romans 7 is where Paul writes about his frustration. When Paul looked at his own life, he wasn't always happy with what he saw. And he said, I actually get very frustrated because in my mind I know how I ought to live, but then I look at what I've done and I realize that I went and did the things, I did something that my mind knew wasn't right. That's my story. I can, I can identify with that and maybe you can. There's value in going to the mirror and, and always in evaluating my walk with God and in evaluating the idea that I'm pressing on. As I go to that mirror and look, I always need to be asking, is whatever that's going on, is there a me problem that needs work? Because sometimes we do make mistakes and sometimes we do need to elevate our game. We need to elevate our service. We need to elevate our walk with God. We're going to fail sometimes. Yes, someone once said, failure is only failure if the lesson learned is lost. In other words, if I fail and I don't learn anything from that that helps me the next time, that's real failure right there. 
Man, if you like to read and you read the stories of people that have been successful by worldly standards, man, there's almost always a good failure in there somewhere. And the key to the failure was that didn't end it for them. They, they, they elevated their, their game. Finally, number five. Remember that you need people around you who will help you press on. And as much as anything, isn't that one of the things that we've witnessed this past week? For everyone who's suffered loss of some kind, I think of Hebrews chapter 20, or verse 23 of chapter 10, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need people around us who are going to help us press on. Carefully selected. A group of people, an inner circle perhaps, they're assembled and they're in place before the trouble comes. People are going to hold me up when maybe I can't stand on my own. People who will maybe help me elevate my ministry when I'm a little bit weak. And then for all of us, we need to be ready to be that person for someone else. But if we're going to press on, we need to remember that we've got to have people around us who are going to help. And to me, that's one of the greatest things about this great church family here at Savannah. Paul says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on. We celebrated some lives this week where this kind of mindset was lived out. Sometimes we end a sermon with a closing story, a closing illustration. But I think you can think about those lives and realize that we've had that illustration. Higher ground is what we seek. I'm going to share those last verses from that song that we sang a few minutes ago. My heart has no desire to stay where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled. For faith has caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and, and catch a gleam of glory bright, but still I pray till heaven I found, Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Bradley's going to lead us in a song of encouragement, a song of invitation today. My question to you today would be, have you found that higher ground? Have you, do you have a walk with God? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Are you His child today? If you're in the room today and this sounds good to you, but you know you're not a Christian yet, you've not surrendered your life, you've heard the Gospel and you believe it, and you're willing to stand up and confess that Jesus is Lord, and you're willing to live life for Him, you're willing to repent, and are you ready to be baptized into Him today? Maybe that's where you are. Maybe, and most of us are Christians, maybe in your quest to press on, maybe you need the prayers of your church family. Maybe you need that family around you that we were just talking about. If, if you've got a prayer need today, you can let that be known. But I'm thankful that God gives us each other. I'm thankful that Paul teaches us how to press on. If we can help you in any way today, let that be known while we stand and while we sing.
Thank you.